Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Dafyomi. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. We are now in Masachik Tubot, Dafyod Dalad Amud Bed, about to take a look at the last Mishnah in the first parak, which splits off a little bit from the flow of the previous few Mishnayot uh, and seems to be addressing a particular case involving that same topic. Amar Rabbi Yossi, Ma'asebetinoket Shiardalam Alot Mayim Min Ha'ayin. So Rabbi Yossi tells a story about a young girl who went to get water from the well, so she was somewhere isolated, Vinan's son, she was raped there. And of course, the real question is, who was the man who violated her? Was he somebody who would invalidate her from Kuhuna? Amar Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, Im rov ruling essentially that we follow rov, and if a majority of the men in town are men that with whom relations would not invalidate her from Kuhuna, then that is her status. Okay, now, Amarli Rava Rav Nachman. So Rav asked his teacher, Rabbi Yochaman Nuri Damar Kaman, whose position is Rabbi Yochaman Nuri following? Meaning, in the series of Mishnah that we had before, is Rabbi Gamliel who gives her credibility, Rabbi Shua who does not. After all, Rabbi Gamliel validates her status, even if most people are psulin, and if she says, I know that the guy was okay, then the guy's okay, and she's okay. Eke Rabbi Yeshua, if on the other hand he's adopting Rabbi Yeshua's position, I feel the Baruch Shem Nami Pasil. Rabbi Yeshua says we don't believe her, and her status is assumed to be invalidated, even if most of the people around are kasher. In other words, taking the position that Rove determines her status seems to fit neither position. So Rav Nachman's answer to Ravu was, Hachi Amar Rav Yehuda Amar Rav, Bikronot Shel Tzipori Hayam that this story took place during the marketplace in Tzipori, remember the story was told to us by Rabiosi. Rabiosi's hometown is Tzipori, Sephoris. And uh, and that happened during the time of the market there, which therefore means the following. And it follows Rabbi Ami's position. Meaning a majority of the traders that were coming through town were Ksherim which means we have a double rove, meaning a majority of the people live in the town, plus a majority of the people who are traveling through are Messiin Lekuhunat. Uchad Rabbi it also depends on another position, which is Rabbi Yanai, which is all the school of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Yanai was Rabbi Yochanan's Rabbi, Rabbi Yami was Rabbi Yochanan's Talmud. Dam Rabbi Yanai, nif'elet bikronot k'sherah He says if she was raped or had relations during the time of the marketplace, she's k'sherah again, based on this assumption. Now, Anything happened at the marketplace? That's a little wacky. It doesn't mean at the marketplace. It means during the time where there are all these people coming in from out of town. And that's part of what impacts on our rove. We'll see. Let's say it wasn't during market time. And there's a man who lives in Zippori. Remember, a majority of people in Zippori are Messiin Lakuna. And there's a man who lives in Zippori and he leaves his house, Uva'al Havlad Shtuki. And he goes and has relations with the girl. The kid is a shtuki, which means we don't know the kid's status. And we can't confirm that the kid's okay. And by the way, by definition, perhaps we would say the woman's not okay either. We have the following report when Ravdimi came from Eretz Yisrael. He told us that Zi'iri, quoting Rav Hanina, said, Perhaps we got it directly. That in a case like this, where there are traders in town, we follow the identity of the Rov Ha'ir, but not the Rov Siyat. And we say, Klape Laya. Our response to that is, that's upside down. 
Hani Naidi Vahani Kvi Vikaimi. The traders are coming and going, as opposed to the people in town who are in town. They're in their own place, which means that we should be more concerned with the Rov Siyah, because these people are moving around. Ella, so we have to adjust based on that. Holchin Achar Rov Ha'ir that we actually do follow Rov Ha'ir, but there also has to be Rov Siyah, which means we need a double Rov, both the majority of the citizens of Tsipori and a majority of the traders who come into town. We don't rely just on Rov Ha'ir. We don't even rely on Rov Siyah, the majority of the traders. Let's say the traders were all Jewish men uh, that are kosher, but they're coming into a town where a majority of the people are not. We still wouldn't rely on them. Why? My Tama, Gzeira, Rov Siyat, Rov Ha'ir. Rov Ha'ir is problematic, as we'll see in a couple minutes. And so therefore, we made a decree, a protective decree, to say we won't follow Rov Siyat because we then may end up mistakenly following Rov Ha'ir. And let's see what Rov Ha'ir, what problem it brings up. For Rov Ha'ir Nami, if somebody left their own house or their own station and they went and caught the girl, then... Called a parish, parish. We have the the rule of rove, and if you leave your position and go, then we say, well, a majority of the people in this position are kasher. Therefore, we assume it is one of the majority that left, and therefore should be kshera. So, therefore, rove ha'ir alone would be would be fine. It must be a case where she went to them. And what's that? That makes it kavua, meaning that when she comes to them. Every person is either kasher or pasul. It's not 100% kasher. So each person is either kasher or pasul. And because of that, the rule is, Anytime you have a case of kavua, then we retreat it as a 50-50 case, which means this girl, 50% was nivelet le kasher, nivelet le pasul, 50%, and we have to regard her as pasul. But that means that we require two roves. The, the, the upshot of this is we, re, we require rov ha'ir and rov siyah. Since when do we require two roves? We have the famous case. There's ten butcher shops on the street in town. And nine of them sell kosher meat, and the other one sells non-kosher meat. And you went into one of them, and you forgot which store you went into. This is, of course, highly unlikely in reality, but you went into one of the 10 stores, you forgot which one you went into, then it's Asur. Even though 90% of the stores are kasher, it's Kavua because you went to them. But if you find it on the street in a plain brown wrapper, then it's kosher because it is Porish. It's Porish Minarov. It left from somewhere, and therefore we left from the majority situation. So maybe you think that the case with the rape was where the city was open, and therefore we couldn't determine where this rove was coming from. And as opposed to the butcher shops where we're looking at a closed-up city and, and, and a defined and, uh, and identifiable group from which we're going to identify the rove, Ka'ati la ruba mi'alma, that you have also people coming in from the outside. He says, even this rule applies, even if the city has its wall, it gate, its walls gated up, meaning closed up. And the answer is that you're right. Normally, one rove is enough. And therefore, if you have a city which is closed up and there's 10 butcher shops and nine sell kosher meat only, and you find meat on the ground, 
you can assume it's from the kosher place and it's mutar. However, when it comes to marriage, we added a degree of extra precaution and said we now need two rows. Okay, now let's take a look at the rule of kavua. Gufa. Amar of Zera, kol kavua kemechza al mechza dami. Now, bein lakula, bein lachumra. By the way, that's both lakula and lachumra, which means you could have a situation where the rove creates a chumra and 50-50 creates that we, the, the, that we don't act on the chumra, and based on kavua, we're going to treat it that way. So it could be lenient. So Mena, and we'll see an example of that. Where did he get that rule from? The case of the butcher shops, that's the chumra, that we're saying that really the meat should be kosher because nine out of the ten shops sell kosher meat. But if you went into one of the shops, we say you each one you went into was either kosher or not, so it's a 50-50. Therefore, we're saying l'chumra, that's, that's kavua. We're trying to find kavua being an across-the-boards ruling, even l'kula. So, So there's ten dead rodents. None of them, nine of them are frogs. One of them is a sheretz, like a lizard. Touch a dead frog, you're not tamay. Touch a, a sheretz, you are. Uh, there's a pile of them, you touch one of them, you don't know which one you touched, then it's the safek is tameh, because again, you went to it, that's also a chumrah, so that didn't solve anything, Ella, the opposite, now we have to remember an important rule about tum'ah, and that is that safek tum'ah, if you have a safek, we'll call it a 50-50 safek about tum'ah, if this happens in Rishut HaYachid, we say Sfekot Tameh. But if it happens in Rishut HaArbim, we say Sfekot Tahor. But that means when we're dealing with 50-50. And that's all inferred from the case of Sota, not for now. Ela shratzim You have ten dead things, of which nine are, let's say, lizards or turtles or shratzim, and one of them is a frog. Again, you didn't touch one of them, you don't know which one you touched. So, okay, so we're going to regard it as 50-50 and therefore Tameh. But we're going to regard it as 50-50 and therefore which means that we're going to take the principle of Kavua and apply it even Likula. Okay, very good. Where did we get this idea from the Torah? Because now we're we're presenting Torah law and saying this guy's not Tameh if he walks into the into the Azara, he's not Chayav Karet for walking in Tameh. Uh, and uh, and and so therefore we have to find an anchor for this rule of Kavua in the Torah. When it talks about uh, in the in the parsha of Aremi Klat, there's a, a brief aside about uh, premeditated murder, which is when a guy lies in wait and then attacks somebody and kills him, then he doesn't go to Arimiklat, etc. Anshit Kavenlo, meaning you have to actually have intent for that guy. Now, what does that mean? Meaning, what's that excluding? You take some sort of a, uh, a mortal weapon and you throw it into a group of people and it kills somebody. Right, and here's where Kavuah is going to be. Now, Hechidami, what's the case? If it's a case where there's 10 people on the other side of the fence, and nine of them are non-Jews and one of them is a Jew, but then and you killed one of them, and you didn't intend, you just intended to kill somebody in that group, uh, then you'd be exempt because, forget about Kavuah, based on Rove. After all, although 
Ritzicha Begoy is an Easter, likely an Easter Doraita, nonetheless, you're not Chayav Mita for it. In Nami Palgo Palga, Safek Nefashot Lakel. Even if you regarded it as 50 50, we'd say, well, Safeka, whether we should kill you or not, for murder, well, we're going to go lenient. The case must be where there were nine Jews and nine Jews and one non-Jew there in the group. Because here, since you went to them, each person is kavua. Did the person I hit was he a goy or a Jew? 50-50. And therefore, I'm going to regard it as kavua, and I'm not going to use the rove, and therefore this guy is exempt, and that's Lakula. The whole kavua kavatsabatsadami. So Do we actually rule like Rabbi Yossi in our Mishnah? And that's basically Rov Ha'ir. He says, no, it was only an ex- exigent ruling on the spot because of certain circumstances. We don't know what they are. So Rabbi Yirmiya says, I don't get it. How can you say that Rabbi Yossi's ruling was the halakha, whether it was a temporary ruling or the or a complete eternal ruling, it required only one rove. And now we're going to take a step back and say, Rabirinia says, since when do we not need two roves for yuchsin, for marriage issues? We have the Mishnah in Taharot, uh, which is Matzabatinok Mushlach. Say a foundling. You find a baby, somebody left their baby. Im rov goyim goy. If a majority of the people in town are non-Jews, the kids decide is determined to be a non-Jew. Im rov Israel Israel. They're mostly Jewish. He's Jewish. Im Israel. Even at 50-50, it's considered to be Jewish. But each one of these for different halachas, we'll see. So Rav says this ruling that 50-50 will regard him as a Jew is we have to sustain him. We're, ob- we're obligated to take care of him. But we're not going to allow him when he grows up to marry as the status of a Jew. Shmuel says, even less uh, uh, identifiable, meaning less of a statement of identity, is it just means that we'll save his life, let's say on Shabbat. So, so you see that for Yuchsin, it's not enough. We need more than just this rove. So, the answer is, Yirmiyah forgot what Rav Yehuda said, quoting Rav, that our story happened when there were two roves. In other words, when we said halachaka Rav Yossi, Rav Yirmiyah thought that meant halachaka Rav Yossi, that all it requires is rov ha'ir. And he says, but take a look at this Mishnah and Taharot, we need more than Rov Ha'ir to determine the kid's status for Yisrael. And Rav himself was the one who said, no, we need more than that to be able to marry off. And the answer is, yeah, you forgot the fact that the case in Sipori involved two Rovs. Rav Hanan Barav remember, he said it was not the Halacha, but rather it was just an exigent ruling on the spot. The answer is that if you learned this piece, then you, you would not have... Um, Learned the other piece um, um, that Rav said, in other words, either you say that there was one rove, in which case it's a Ratsha'a, or else you say there were two roves, and then you don't have the whole Ratsha'a piece. Okay. Gufa. So now let's go let's take a look back at our foundling. Matzamba Tinok Mushlach. We found a baby who was left there. Imrov Goyim Goyim, Imrov Israel Israel, Matzamach Israel. That's the Mishnah. We saw that already. Now, since Shmuel, since when did Shmuel say that? We don't look for rov when it comes to pikuach nefesh. Even there's a faint possibility the person is Jewish. We we do pikuach nefesh. 
Meaning, Shmuel's comment was about the ratio of the Mishnah. Which means the majority of the people in town are not Jewish. This kid's determined to be not Jewish. And there Shmuel says, but for Pikoch Nefesh, we ignore that rove, and we still will violate Shabbat to save his life. Now, so let's go through the, the Mishnah. In Rov Goyim Goy, what's the purpose of identifying him as a Goy? The answer is, We're going to take care of him, but we will be able to feed him in the Velot. If there's a majority of Yisrael, then when, remember, we're not allowing to marry as Jew, perhaps, we need more than just this rove, but that if he loses something, we will return it to him as Hashavat Aveda. Right? Now, if remember the, the Sugya in Bovakama, in the third parak, that, uh, that in the fourth parak, that, uh, that Mizakin, between Jews and non-Jews, play out in an interesting way. In the case of a Jew, there's a notion of a short time, which means if I have an animal that's never been violent before and he, and he hurts your property, for the first couple of times, I only pay half damages. All right? On the other hand, if it's a non-Jew, I have to pay full damages. There is no rule of short time. So watch what happens. If, let's say, this kid grows up and he owns an animal and our animal kills his animal, hurts him, We'll say to him, prove that you're Yisrael and, and we'll pay you. He can't prove he's Yisrael, he'll never get paid. So, it's the opposite. He, his ox, ox attacks us. Now, if he's a Jew, he pays half. If he's a guy, he pays full. Palga mishalim. So the first half he has to pay. Ve'idach palga, but when it comes to the second half, amar lehu, aiti raya de Yisrael He'll say to us, prove that I'm not a Yisrael. After all, it's 50-50. So prove that I'm not a Yisrael, and I'll pay you the second half. You can never prove that, so all we'll get is a half. And that brings us to the close of the first parakeh. In the next podcast, we will begin with the second parakeh, Isha Shinit Armala, which will really continue some of the discussions and the debates that we had between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Gamliel in the first, in the, uh, first parakeh. We should have a wonderful day.